Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Uh, what a mighty God we, we serve. Um, I know you might be jealous when you look at me. I have a little bit of Perel that I brought up here with me. I hope you have some. Uh, I'm always willing to share. It's not much, but I'll share with you because I love you. I know that a lot is going on. I started with a little bit of a, a joke and some humor, but between the tornadoes and COVID-19 and, you know, just the panic, uh, the pandemic, there, there's just so much um, going on in your life and you might feel disheveled, you might feel alone, you might feel fearful, you might just be hurting, you might need a friend, you might need a hug, you might need love and, and I just want to say that Jesus loves you, I as your pastor love you and if you're tuning on online and you don't have a pastor and you don't have somebody that will pray for you and care about you, I volunteer. We just love you today. We want to, I'm thanking God, and, and in my prayer, you're going to hear me thank God for our medical professionals and thank God for the first responders during the tornado who are going through and the mayor and the governor and, and our, all of our government officials who are all doing the very best they can. But I want to tell you, church, thank you. I love you so much. Seeing you volunteer um, last Monday, helping with the tornado victims, seeing you choose other people over yourself. You are awesome and you are amazing and you have touched me and you have inspired me. And I pray as we get into the word today that it will touch and inspire you. Lord, I pray now that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You're my strength and redeemer. Touch all of our medical professionals. Touch all those who have lost loved ones all over the world with the COVID-19 virus. Comfort their family members during this time. Help them make up for the loss. Give them hope. God, all of our government officials, they need your wisdom. They need your direction. God, don't give, let, let them carry a weight that's too heavy for them to bear. God and everybody, that's out there, that's a part of Bethel World Outreach Church. I pray that they would feel the supernatural touch in the hand of the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, God, that your spirit is with us and you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be uh, starting a little small, little mini-series just simply called Love the City. Um, uh, our, our slogan here, our mission statement is to reach the city to touch the world and right now, our city just needs love, and you and I can provide that. I want us to turn to Acts 16, and we're going to read the 16th verse to the 25th verse. And what I want you to do, even though you're at home, and um, you, it may be something you can get away with not doing because I can't actually see you or hear you, I actually want you to read the word that comes up on the screen out loud. And because I believe something dynamic and powerful happens when we just begin to read the word uh, with one another. So I'm going to read, we're going to read, we're going to go uh, verse by verse. 
Here we go. I'm going to say ready and read. And, and uh, dads, heads of households, moms, uh, uh, just students, uh, or if you're just tuning in, just tell yourself, time to read. All right, let's go. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owner much, much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain or money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want to ask God to add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. You know, as a um, winner in life, I like to tell my kids, any games we play, I love to win. I do recognize that sometimes we all have to lose. But it's not a fun thing to lose. We like to see ourselves as winners and always win at whatever we do. But sometimes life doesn't, doesn't, work, doesn't work that way. Um, my uh, Division I football coach used to encourage us that there were going to be times in a game where it was going good and it was going to go bad, and he would come up with this phrase that every football player knows when uh, something bad happened in the game and the momentum changed or uh, we went from offense to defense or interception happened or injury happened or something crazy happened, he would yell these words, sudden change, and everybody would say, sudden change, sudden change, sudden change. Now, you would think this was an announcement of a time where we're going to fail or a time where we're going to lose or a time where things weren't going to start going right anymore. But he said sudden change so he could remind us that even though something challenging just happened, even though something negative just happened, even though you've been displaced or, or you've been discomforted or, 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 or something just didn't go right, you're still in the game. You're still time to win. And it's not too late. And I want you to know 
that no matter where you're at today, the text we're going to read, the story we just read, by the way, about Paul and Silas and what they're going through is to help you know that even when they experienced a sudden change, it wasn't over. I want to go through this scripture briefly um, uh, with us all. And, and, and one of the first things I note that's quite striking to me is that Paul, as they were going to the place of prayer, now, now every time they have gone to the place of prayer before, something good seemed to happen. The last time they went to the place of point of uh, prayer, uh, a young lady named Lydia, she got saved. Her whole household got saved. Everything was going good. Now we see that Paul is going to the place of prayer, and uh, he's met with a slave girl who has a spirit of divination. She, she makes a lot of money. She's telling fortunes. She's just not in a good place. But she's showing up at the prayer meeting just like Paul's showing up at the prayer meeting. How many people know that when you go to the place of worship or the place of prayer or when you open up your computer or you have your phone and you start live streaming, there's all types of demonic distractions that come your way. Some of you might be having your coffee right now as a demonic distraction or, or a noise or, or some type of text from a friend. There's something that the enemy would do to get you off your game, off, off focus. You know, sometimes even the very device that we're using, even the very computer that we're on, the enemy will bring up maybe some ne negative behavior or bad activity that you've been doing on that item. And it's tough. He'll never tell you the hope that's in Jesus Christ, but he will tell you, hey, what's wrong? This woman was coming, and the Bible says she was following behind them, and, and the Scripture would denote she was following behind them closely, and she was just, every time they would proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, she would be yelling out, these are the people that are the most high God. It wasn't that she was um, saying something that wasn't factual, but she was saying it in a way to distract from the message that they were being given. See, demons come to discredit what God is doing. They come to distract us from what God is doing. And they have always behaved in this way. Demonic distractions came when Jesus was in the uh, wilderness praying for 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying. And, and, and the enemy came to him and told him to turn bread, uh, uh, a stone into uh, bread. Or, or he told him to jump off a cliff. Uh, uh, another time he told him that he should be worshipped. You see, the enemy will come. The Bible says uh, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What if I were to tell you right now that there's a demonic distraction trying to invade your personal space right now? Many times we sit in church services or we sit in spiritual environments and the enemy rehearses to us who we are not and the sins that we've done or the iniquities we have, our bad habits, our bad thoughts, and instead of feeling inspired and good, in the place of prayer, we get demonically distracted. Didn't that frustrating that she came? And the scripture says she came and did this for many, many days. It's funny that, you know, how come Paul didn't do something the first day? Because sometimes distractions, they, they take subtle forms. She was saying a good thing or a right thing, Wrong motive. You know, the truth might be that you're hurting right now. But you don't need somebody to say, you're hurting, you're hurting, you're hurting. The truth might be that you just lost your business. The economy is crashing. The economy is crashed. And somebody can say that 
over and over again, and it's not for the purpose of bringing you hope or bringing you clarity or, or, or bringing you into uh, uh, God's presence or delight, is to make you feel hopeless, helpless, like nothing's going to go right. Demonic distractions. These demonic distractions, they come and, and they'll stay there until you and I want to do something about them. What demonic distractions are in your life today? Maybe I didn't name yours, but you know exactly what it is. It's whatever pulls you away from the good news about Jesus Christ. See, Paul and Silas, they didn't just go to the prayer meeting to worship God. They were going to the the prayer meeting to find out who needed God. See, they were on mission. Church, are we on mission? You see, every time that you decide to get in the game of ministry and, and, and do the work of, uh, of preaching the good news about Jesus, there's a demonic distraction coming your way. Every time you decide to go on your, uh, your, your computer and, 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 and direct message somebody the good news about Jesus, there's a demonic distraction coming your way. I got good news for you, though. Paul gives us an example of how he handles some of these demonic distractions. The scripture said he got annoyed. I would say, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you annoy me, but you're, I don't want to disrupt your worship experience today. You know, we can get annoyed. And when the wrong thing happens over an extended period of time and you get annoyed, it will cause you to act or have a reaction. And if you look in the, I'm going to open up my iPad so you can look in this verse here. I think it's verse 19, I know it, so I, I can't, my, my iPad locked me out. Good, it's internal. In verse 19, we went from a demonic distraction to a godly reaction. Paul turns and addresses the spirit in this girl and commands in the name of Jesus that the spirit comes out. You know, one thing demonic distractions do is they boast of false power. But Paul understands that he has all power over the power of the enemy because his Lord had all power over the power of the enemy. And when Jesus was tempted, he just simply looked at Satan and said, Satan, be gone. See, when you actually get annoyed enough with demonic distractions, you can have a holy reaction that takes authority back in your life takes ministry back in your life. I don't know what message the enemy might be sending to you about what your life is going to be like, what your future is going to be like, what your business and your family and society is going to be like. But if it's not good, it's not from God because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Lord. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to take it. He gives you authority to speak to it. I love that Paul didn't speak in his own name. Paul spoke in that name according to Philippians 2 that's above every name. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things above the earth, in the earth, under the earth. Everything. He said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. See, that name can fix a lot of stuff. You know, my wife, 
uh, when I believe she was about 15 years old, had a circumstance where she was actually mugged in Detroit. And the guy knocked her down and started grabbing the chain at her neck, and he was standing over, over, over top of her. And, and, uh, and, and all she would begin to say is, the blood of Jesus. And he yelled at her, he said, don't say that name no more. She said, the blood of Jesus. He said, I said, don't say that name no more. She said, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And he got up and he ran. The reason that he ran is because God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and he's put power behind his name. So when you elevate his name above your circumstances, situation, coronavirus, whatever, whenever you take his name, like Pastor Wright said uh, the other week, and you take it above, that's where it belongs. It lets you know you're covered. It lets you know you're free. It lets you know that he has power, and this is your, your godly reaction. I don't want you to react in silence. I don't want you to react and just, and just let the enemy rob you of peace, rob you of joy, rob you of, 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 of wealth. God wants to give you wealth, good things, and a purpose. I'm here to fight with you this morning. The prayer of agreement can make a change happen in our life. And then, you know, so he has a sudden change. The power comes back to him. Uh, that, that surge of faith comes back. And as he's going about his life, the owner, the master of the slave girl, realized that he lost money. Now, here's where some trouble comes in in our world. No one cared that Paul was preaching the gospel before until they lost money. No one cared uh, uh, what was going on. But the moment that it caused him, her master, personal loss. He had a problem with it. He went and sought out Paul and he got Silas and he grabbed him. And, and the Bible says he, he brought him before the magistrate. He brought him before the people. And he got everybody in the town that Paul had previously been advancing the gospel with to start saying, these men don't honor our customs. These men don't honor our laws. These men are trying to change our way. You know, so funny about this accusation against them is the only thing these men did was love the city, preach the good news. The only thing these men did is lay down their lives to see the lives of the people in that city redeemed. Beloved, there are sometimes you're going to get the right, do the right thing and get the wrong response. It was the right thing for them to cast the devil out of that girl so she could be free. There are times when your boss might want to do the wrong thing, but you still got to do the right thing. There are times that you're around people who lack integrity and want to bring you into those situations that lack integrity, and you feel like you might lose your job or lose your relationship. But I say lose it for Jesus and lose it. And I don't mean that Jesus is going to let you down. I'm just trying to tell you that this is the attack against those who advance the good news about who Jesus is. Love the city, but it might cost you something. The Bible says that they were taken and their clothes were torn off of them. I mean, can you know the embarrassment? It doesn't say any part of them was covered. And it would be one thing if they said they were beaten 10 times with a rod or 20 times with a rod or 40 times with a rod. The Bible doesn't give a number. The Bible just said they just got beaten many, 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 many times. Can you imagine how they feel when they have left everything they've owned for the sake of the gospel? 
They have given their lives to see people like Lydia saved and 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 um and and the and the and the and the magistrates saved. They, they've given everything for the gospel, but yet they're getting beaten. Do you know what it's like? I know everybody knows what it's like. COVID-19 has, has somehow robbed us of something, and you ask yourself the question, what did I do wrong to deserve this? I know sometimes it, it doesn't seem to be an answer. Seemingly, seemingly, our existence can be filled with trouble and tribulation. But they were beaten for doing what is right. When we do what's wrong, we know we, when we're young, we need a spanking. But man, when you do what's right and somebody beats you, can you imagine the anger that's on the inside of you when somebody abuses you that way? Can you imagine that? And here's Paul and Silas, silent. You know who they remind me of? Jesus, the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace, it was upon him. And he opened not his mouth. He had the right to open his mouth. He had the right to call a legion of angels. Paul and Silas had the right to say, this is, you're not going to do this to me. Where's my lawyer? But the Bible says they're silent. If you're going through troubled times, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't speak out. I'm telling you that these men understood that if they were going this far, they were going to have to trust God. Do you know there's times, like right now in our life, we don't control anything. And there's nothing much you should really say. It's about trust God. You know, Human resistance came against them, but they had a godly reaction. Go to verse 25. I want everybody to go to 25 because I want to show you what their godly reaction was. I'm going to close with this godly reaction. This one right here, whoo, I, I, I kind of want to shout, yell, cry, and scream, just, just fall, all at one time. But you, you, Verse 25, I love it. And about midnight, about the time when it's really dark, this is the time that the Bible says they were already put in the inner prison. They were already beaten. They were already fastened down. They, they hadn't had anything to say, but it was midnight. It was, it was dark. And the Bible said they began to pray and to sing hymns to God. You know, it's a lot of things that we can do when it's dark. We can complain. We can moan. We can get in fear. We can get in sin. We can get in insecurity. But they're giving us an example of what you do when you're confined in a place you don't want to be in and life seems dismal and life seems dark. They're giving us a great example of what you do in that moment. You don't get the blues. You get to praying. And, and this word prayer is, is a word meaning exchange. It means they were not just saying something to God. They were getting something from God. I can imagine what they were saying. I'll tell you what I would be saying. Lord, these people beat me. I'm hurting. I ain't did nothing but try to help you. What you what's going on? I can imagine God saying simple stuff like peace. 
I can imagine God saying stuff like, my grace is sufficient. I can, remind, I can imagine God saying, uh, I've already given you eternal life. Neither shall you perish. Neither shall any man pluck you from my hand. Uh, I can imagine him uh, uh, telling them that, that he's the author of life and he's the finisher. I can imagine them giving them so much word that, to the exchange. How do I know? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 33:3, call, I'll answer your call by showing you great and mighty things which you do not know. What's going on? They're getting it. How do you know they're getting it? How do you know that their godly reaction to this human resistance is working? Because they move from prayer to worship. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, my God. They move from uh, this humble posture to a surrendered posture. They move from uh, uh, thinking about, hey, what's going on to getting a vision? Because the Bible says, not only will you call and answer your call, he will show you great and mighty things. You know. They start saying, oh God, you had a plan for us being in prison. They start seeing something and they start thinking about it. And, and the Bible says they start singing hymns to the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness. To thy great faithfulness, mercy, and great is thy faithfulness. He's in chains. Great is thy faithfulness. He's been beaten. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. He doesn't know when he's getting out. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. He's stuck there. But great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You might be stuck in a place but it doesn't prevent you from praying. It doesn't prevent you from worshiping God. Now, here is the conclusion of the whole matter, and I think I love this statement that the Scripture makes next more than any other. And the prisoners were listening to them. Do you know, beloved believers, somebody is watching you. I bet those prisoners weren't thought about by anybody, but Jesus did. I know that it was unfortunate that Paul and Silas were beaten, but the prisoners that heard them praying, the prisoners that heard them worshiping, the prisoners that knew their condition, the prisoners who didn't know what to do in the midnight hour were getting a practical example of exactly what you do. The world does not know what to do, beloved. So how do you serve the world? With a godly reaction, even though you have human resistance. You need a godly reaction, even though you have demonic distractions. See, what Paul is doing is staying committed to the mission of sharing his faith. Staying committed to being a Christian. I have a challenge for all of us, myself included. What will you do in your confinement? What will you do in your dark? Does the mission of Jesus Christ end here? Or is there more for you to do?
sometimes people think that prayer is just a casual thing you do once there's nothing else to do. But prayer is a primary thing to do. Worshiping God is what we were created to do. And somebody's watching. They get confidence. They feel like the world is going to be a better place. I want you to think right now. I want you to begin to think, what does Jesus want me to do? Does he want me to lament my situation? Does he want me to complain? Or does he want me to take all my cares and burdens and cast them on him because he cares for me? He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves Now, I'm telling you right now that Jesus is at work in your heart and in your life. And he's not just letting this moment be about you. If you're really hearing Jesus, he's telling you stuff like, I've got you, but your neighbor needs you to preach the word. Your neighbor needs you to check on them. And even as you're socially responsible with your distancing, even in distancing, the gospel still can go out. I'm offering you to do what Jesus assigned us all to do, preach in season and out of season. Preach the word. Someone needs to hear it. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. We will realize we're loved. We have power and authority over every demonic or human force that will try to stop that good news from getting to the people who need it. I pray for our broken city, we can love them with the gospel. I pray for our hurting city, we can come up, we can come and serve them with our hands and then love them with the gospel. For our confused city, we can be listening ears to hear all of the complaints and confusion and then love them with the gospel. Use us. This church says we're available to be used. Use us. Use us, Lord. We trust you. We thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' name. I'll give you some final instructions. If you don't know the gospel, we're going to let have a place where you can click and you can learn the gospel. If you don't have a tool to share, we'll give you the God test. If you don't know what to say, tell people your two-minute miracle, what Jesus did when he came into your life. Or simply do what I just did with you. Pray. God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship 
by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world.